Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Hey, faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast. I am your host, Jen here, and today we are going to be discussing probably one of the most famous portions of all of Scripture, and this is the Ten Commandments. So we will be talking about Exodus chapter 20 today, verses 1 through 17, and this is literally the Ten Commandments. So let's go ahead and discuss this. I will be reading out of the WEB version of the Bible. Please feel free to uh, read out of whatever version you prefer to read out of. But make sure to grab that cup of coffee, and let's go ahead and start reading. God spoke all of these words, saying, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol, nor any image of anything that is in the heavens above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow yourself down to them, nor serve them, for I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and on the fourth generations of those who hate me, and showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall labor six days and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. You shall not do any work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, nor your livestock, nor the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which Yahweh your God has given to you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So I want to mention something here. We talked on Friday about how God was at Mount Sinai and how he specifically came before all of the people so that the people could actually hear his voice. So now I believe that Moses is down the mountain at this point because he went up the mountain to talk to God. God told the people, or I'm sorry, God told Moses to tell the people not to touch the mountain. So then Moses comes back down the mountain to tell all the people, look, don't touch the mountain. So then at this point, Moses is down, down downstairs with all the people. God is up on the mountain. And so God uh, speaks all of these words to the people. So I believe that the people could actually hear God's voice at this time and that the people were all uh, standing down uh, down the mountain listening to what God was saying. And so it says here that God spoke all these words saying, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. How special this event must have been to be able to actually hear God's voice and that he was speaking to each individual person, not just to Moses at this point. So this would have been 
so fantastic. And yet we find out later on, which uh, I won't get into it too much, but if you actually read down to verse um, verse 19, the people are very upset that they're hearing God's voice and they say to Moses, speak with us yourself and we will listen, but don't let God speak with us lest we die. God's voice and God's presence was so powerful and awe-striking that the people were just terrified to hear God's voice coming off of that mountain. So the people did not want to hear God's voice. They wanted Moses to go and uh, do everything for them. So I find that both frustrating, uh, believable, and confusing all at the same time. Because yes, God's presence is so mighty and so powerful, but why couldn't the people, I, I, I struggle with this, why couldn't the people uh, be excited for what it was, which was God's presence speaking with them? Was it because of their, I would guess it's because of their own sin nature, realizing how insignificant they are compared to God. But at the same time, if God was so merciful to talk directly to the people, why couldn't they just be excited about it and happy about it and realize that they were sanctified and uh, that they had been sanctified for three days and that God was um, here doing something fantastical for them. So I, I struggle a little bit with that as to why the people had this reaction. But then again, I have never spoken directly with God. I've never heard God's voice speaking directly to me. So I suppose it's just me not understanding where the people are coming from that is making me have this reaction towards them for not enjoying and hearing the hearing of God's voice, basically. But anyway, going back to verse one, it says that God specifically says, this is who I am. So he he once again reiterates to his people, I am Yahweh. I am God. I am the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of your bondage. So then he states the Ten Commandments. And the way he states them, everyone can understand them. We still see them to this day. You know, the Ten Commandments, uh, people make fun of them all the time, where it's like a parking sign that says that thou shalt not park here. <laughs> I see those. And, you know, people still can understand to this day everything that God is saying in these Ten Commandments. So God is using extremely simple verbiage to talk to his people. And uh, the, the W.E.B. does not say thou shalt not. It says you shall have no other gods before me. So that's how the W.E.B. words it, but other versions word it even more simplistically. But um, so it says the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Now, this does not mean that we can have other gods as long as they don't come above God, because it says here you shall have no other gods before me. The word before actually in Hebrew actually means in my face, if that makes sense. So he's telling the people, don't have any other gods. <laughs> Not that you, I should be the first of all your gods, but in fact, you should be monotheistic and not have any other gods other than me. So God is first and foremost telling the people to worship one 
and only one God. And so then the second one, he says, don't make for yourselves any idol nor any image of anything that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth beneath. We find out later on in uh, the prophets that the people started worshiping some uh, god or goddess that was called the goddess of heaven. So I mean, later on, the people did, in fact, make images and were worshiping completely other gods and uh, were doing all sorts of crazy things. There was one god named Moloch, who we'll talk more about later on, but that was a sick and disgusting practice that went along with that particular god. So now God right here on this mountain is telling the people directly, do not have any other gods. Don't make them out of anything. Don't worship any other gods. Don't make them up in your mind. Don't do it. Just have me as your God. Because first and foremost, God is a perfect God. He is the one who created everything. So every other God that we make up is just an imaginative God, if that makes sense. It is a made-up God. It can't do anything. I mean, God specifically said that already in uh, when he was sending the plagues to Egypt. He says, can your God save you? So yes, the, the God of any other God other than Yahweh God is made up. It's, it's not God. And so God is proclaiming that. And he says to the people, don't make any other gods. He says, don't make them out of anything and don't worship any other gods. And he says, if you do this, I am very, very jealous. That's what he says. And I think actually there's a verse that says that God's name is jealous. So, I mean, he has a few names. He has the name Yahweh, but then he also has the name Jealous. So he says, I am a jealous God. I mean, think about that statement. I mean, if God is a jealous God, that means he is jealous for you and for me. How cool is that? That means he really, really cares about us and really, really cares about what we are doing and wants us to be with him. Isn't that cool? That's actually really, really cool if you think about that. Now, of course, there's two different kinds of jealousies. There's a stupid jealousy and then there's a good jealousy. The stupid kind of jealousy is being jealous over every little thing <laughs> all the time. And uh, the good kind of jealousy is actually having a jealousy of uh, someone or something corrupting someone or something that belongs to you. For example, my husband... I get jealous if waitresses at the uh, at the restaurant hit on him. <laughs> I get really jealous and then I give them a look like, mm, that's my man. Don't you dare talk to him like that. So yes, I mean, that's a healthy kind of jealousy where I'm telling a girl, look, back off. This is my husband. And God is doing the same thing for us where he and he actually fun, fun fact, God considers himself a husband. And we see that in the book of, I think it's Hosea, where God calls himself the husband. And so he's, he's making it similar as he is a jealous husband of us. He doesn't want us going off and uh, doing who knows what, but he wants us to be committed to him and he wants to be committed to us. So it's an interesting relationship. And God is saying right here, he is a jealous God. And he goes on to say in this exact verse that he shows loving kindness to thousands who love him and keep his commandments, but he is just and he uh, shows iniquity to the fathers of the children 
on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Because we do know later on, and uh, actually this is getting a lot more um, in-depth than I thought it would, but we do know that later on that um, if a person does not follow God, a lot of times they teach their children not to follow God. And then the children teach their children, and it just gets worse and worse as, as the generations go, go on. That is a common theme throughout the Bible and actually throughout history as well. So when God is saying he's going to show iniquity to the children of the people that hate him, it's not because those children have turned to God and been like following God. No, it's not that. It's the children that the generations are just getting worse and worse and worse is what God is saying here. So then it says uh, in verse seven, you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. So we usually translate this as you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And uh, you guys know what that means. That's the most common translation for this verse. Or this verse could be translated as like a serial killer going around and saying that God told him to kill people, which is absolutely asinine because God does not uh, command serial killers to go out and murder innocent victims. So that could be another way this verse is translated as you should not misuse God's name. So then it says here in verse 8, 9, and 10 and 11, actually, that uh, the Sabbath day should be made holy because if God had to rest on the seventh day, the people should rest on the seventh day as well. And I think it's kind of weird how people get sort of irritated about this particular uh, portion of scripture, that God is mean because he requires a Sabbath day. Why? What about having a day off is mean? <laughs> like if your boss told you, go home and rest on this day, you don't have to come into work. How many of us would get upset about that? Not very many of us, I don't think, unless we really need to work that day because we need money. But then at that point, that is an act of faith to step back and take that uh, day off and recognize that God is going to help you get your work accomplished and help provide for you because God does say he's going to provide. He always talks about providing. He will provide. And so when we take that day off, it's both an enjoyment for us. It's a day of relaxation and rest, but it's also a day where we step back in faith and realize that if I don't work on this day, my work will still get accomplished in the six days that I need it to. And uh, God will provide the rest on the seventh day. So that's kind of what the gist of the Sabbath day really is. But then it says here uh, from verses 12 to 17, it's the rest of the Ten Commandments. It says, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. Then he says, uh, which that one is pretty um, self-explanatory, basically show respect to your parents. And then it says in verse 13, you shall not murder. Also very self-explanatory. Please do not murder anybody. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. So this one, um, I mean, I really think that God was talking about any kind of adultery in this situation. I've talked a lot about how God made Adam and Eve in the garden since God made two people. That was his original design. That was his plan. And so when a man, because this was very common back in uh, these days, a man would often have several wives. And I think that that is a form of adultery, is to, have, is to take another wife. I truly believe that that was not in God's original plan. And I think God 
made allowances for that because it was so widespread, it was so common, and people's hearts were very hard, as Jesus says uh, to the Pharisees. So I do believe that when God says to not commit adultery, he is talking about the wife, like the first wife. You should not go off and get another wife and, you know, everything like that. So that's what I believe that God is saying here as well, just having some uh, historical context to that verse. And then he says, uh, you shall not steal. Also very self-explanatory. Don't take something that's not yours. Then it says, verse 16, you shall not give a a false testimony against your neighbor. If you dislike somebody and you lie about them to get them in trouble, then that is spreading a false testimony. <laughs> I used to do that to my sister when we were little kids. My sister is nine years older than me, and uh, I used to, <laughs> I used to um, tell my mom that she hit me all the time, and uh, because I was the young one, I was the little kid, my sister would always get in trouble. So then one day, I was sitting in the room with my sister. My, my sister's across the room. I didn't see my mom standing in the doorway. And I yell, Mom, Jamie hit me. And then my mom's standing right there. And she's like, Jennifer. <laughs> oh, I got in so much trouble. But then my mom never believed me after that. She never believed that my sister ever hit me again. And here's my sister. Of course, she was gloating. She's like, see, Mom, see, that's what Jen does. <laughs> But anyway, that was wrong because I was spreading a false testimony against my sister. I was lying about her to get her in trouble. Okay, and then the last one here, it says uh, in verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So this, I think, is probably one that I think people right now struggle with the most in today's day and age with social media. You, I mean, anybody can flip through and look at everything everybody else has. And we, we think, look, the grass is so much greener on the other side. You know, look what this person has and look what that person has. And it's, it's not good because it, it builds this kind of discontentment within yourself over the things that you don't have. And so when you have discontentment in yourself, you become a very um, angry person. And I know this because I struggled with this for a long, long time. I struggled a lot with uh, discontentment and I was so jealous of other people all the time. I was so jealous of women who were successful because I felt very unsuccessful at the time. I was a very miserable person during that time period of my life. I was always looking at my phone, always basically coveting what I didn't have. And even though I didn't steal it, like we see here in verse 15, that thou shalt not steal or you shall not steal, it doesn't mean that coveting it is not wrong in an in and of itself. It's still wrong to look at somebody else's stuff and hate that person over what they have. Because it's unhealthy for you. It's unhealthy for the person who is coveting because like I said that disc discontentment builds up and you become depressed and um, unhappy with your own situation and unhappy with your life letting go of all that was one of the best things I ever did I actually got rid of my Instagram account and uh, stopped looking at all that stuff that helped me a lot I became a much more content person and uh, surprisingly enough, my migraines kind of started going away 
once I got off of social media in that way, I, uh, a lot of stress left me. And I think stress was a big, big causer, I should say, a big uh, component of the migraines I was getting all the time. And now that I don't have that stress as often, my migraines are way down. But anyway, basically, these were the Ten Commandments that God gave the people. And they're very easy to understand because God talks with us in terms that we can understand. These aren't wrong for God to call us out for doing these things. God is calling us out so that we can live with him and that we can be close to him. And these are just the start. These things here in the Ten Commandments are just the start of who knows what comes down the line. If we do one of these things, who knows what it's going to snowball into or what kind of trouble we're going to get into. So God is protecting us by giving us these Ten Commandments, and he's also telling us how we can live holy. So friends and faith listeners, this was Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. This was the Ten Commandments. And I went a little long on this chapter, but that's okay, because this is a really uh, cool um, chapter of the Bible, and I really enjoy talking about some of the stuff that God tells us to do. But we will talk more about this on Wednesday, so join me then. We'll finish out this chapter on Wednesday. But friends and faithful listeners, if you haven't gotten a chance to go to my website, it is completely redone. So please take a look at it and appreciate it, because I put so much work into it. I would love if anybody would go on and take a look at the new designs and let me know what you think of it. You can contact me. I have a new contact uh, sheet on the website. So contact me and let me know what you thought of the website. I would love to hear from you guys. In fact, if you guys want to contact me about anything, please feel free to do so. I am absolutely uh, willing to um, to take any kinds of prayer requests you guys have or if you have any comments about the, the podcast or any questions, uh, I would love to be able to help you if I can and uh, get you any answers that you might be asking about. But faithful listeners, I have nothing else to say except happy listening and God bless.